Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm Season 2 podcast. I'm Philip Walker, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Yvonne Hartley. Hi, Philip. Hi. And today we're going to discuss the role of misogyny in the case. Now, misogyny is defined as the dislike, contempt, and inherent prejudice against women. And we're going to look at how this ingrained attitude within Essex Police influenced some aspects of the second investigation into the tragedy, which led to the charging of Jeremy with five counts of murder. So I think, Philip, would be good to start speaking about June Bamba, because June Jeremy's mother, she was portrayed as being affected by mental health issues which she had been previously for depression, but they used that sort of to say she wasn't capable of fighting back. She wasn't capable of fighting the perpetrator who we know was Sheila. And yet the evidence shows clearly that June had plenty of defensive injuries on her that shows that she did put up a fight. But the police seemed to disregard that. They didn't give that evidence at the court. They didn't say that June had that capability. They just seemed to focus on Neville and not on June. Yeah, that's, that's right, because um, obviously the, the evidence of that struggle was uh, some of the injuries to Sheila, uh, and clearly that went against the narrative the police were trying to portray in court. So <laughs> they obviously kept that quiet. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, they used the fact of that there were blood spots on the floor to indicate they said that June had gone to the opposite side of the bed looking for the telephone. But I completely believe that she went round to the opposite side of the bed because she was in a fight with Sheila. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a further extension of this attitude towards June in that they portrayed her as, quote, just an ordinary housewife. But of course, unbeknown to them, she, she was actually a highly capable individual who, who'd, done, who, who'd done very important intelligence work during the war uh, in India as part of uh, SOE, the Special Operations Executive. But because of the Official Secrets Act, that, that wasn't publicly known. So that their reading of her was, was completely wrong. Well, it was as well because, I mean, June was instrumental in uh, the part ownership of the caravan site. She helped establish that to what it was at the time of the tragedy. She also had her own fields, which also were caravan sites. And so, you know, she was highly capable. She was a, a, a good businesswoman, and yet she was portrayed as being just a housewife. And in fact, wasn't it her mother, Mabel, who, who, who'd been the real instigator of, of the success of the caravan park in the first place so uh, absolutely it, it was the female side of the family that had overseen that that commercial success yes it was yeah we mentioned there philip about the attitude of the police about june being incapable of fighting back or not fighting back as they would have you believe but the same applied to sheila they they made this image of a former model who was in some way weak and unable to fight her father in the kitchen. Now, Sheila's going around the house with a loaded gun 
There is no evidence of what time Neville sustained any of his injuries. There's no evidential matter to that. But yet the theory put to the jury was that Sheila had beat Neville with this rifle, but could not possibly have done that because he was a six foot four strong farmer and she was this vulnerable little five foot six inch, very slim woman. So wasn't capable of doing that. Yeah, which totally disregarded the evidence of Freddie Amani, who, who'd seen her in a psychotic episode previously. Uh, and Freddie was a fairly big guy and pretty streetwise as well. And he said that he was frightened for his life during that episode. Uh, and Sheila didn't have a gun with her on that occasion. So that, that is just shown to be rubbish on, on the basis of evidence that, that we have. Well, I know. And using the fact, I mean, they haven't taken into consideration how a psychotic episode gives people strength like you wouldn't believe unless you'd seen it, unless you've actually seen someone in a psychotic episode. You yes. can't assume that they're, that they're weak. They're not weak at all. Yeah, because your whole body chemistry has changed. You've got adrenaline and, uh, and lots of other hormones running through you that uh, lead you to act in, in a way that is totally beyond normal. So... Absolutely, and there is no evidence whatsoever that Neville sustained any injuries from being beaten while he was alive. Yeah. Uh, she absolutely. had a gun in her hands. What is Neville supposed to do? She shot him. He was more than likely dead before he received a single injury from being beaten. We, yeah. we can't just assume that Essex Police's story because where is their evidence to support what they're saying? There is none. No, there isn't. Absolutely not. And, of course, the other issue they made great play of was her nails. Well, they actually said as well that Sheila didn't know one end of the gun from another. So it's like... That seems rather bizarre, considering that she'd been brought up on a farm where there were multiple rifles and weapons and shotguns, and she'd been on shooting holidays. I mean, of course she knew one end of a gun from another. So, but also they were playing on the weak, vulnerable female that wouldn't be able to, you know, and instead of handling a gun, I mean, again, that's playing on her being a woman. Of course she could load the magazine. It's not rocket science. She'd been brought up around these weapons. Of course she knew how to load a magazine. And her fingernails, which they said were pristine, I mean, that's just a joke, isn't it? Women do whole manner of things. I mean, women these this day and age wear long manicured fingernails, false nails. They, they do everything. They're cooking, they're cleaning, they're looking after children, they're doing, you know, working. And some women are working in industry where it involves having to use your hands a lot, not just sat typing. They, they be mechanics and everything with long fingernails and they're quite capable of doing a job. But the Essex police want everyone to believe that if you've got false fingernails or long fingernails, sorry, you're not capable. It's just laughable. We know that initially the first magazine was loaded anyway, so all she had to do was just slot it into the, 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 the core of the rifle. We're not talking anything uh, very difficult here. No, so, and I mean, they made a great play of saying that the 10th bullet would be even difficult for a man to put in the magazine. Who says she loaded 10? 
Well, quite, yes. She, she may have done seven or eight or whatever. Well, exactly. Um, but I, I think the other part of the attitude towards Sheila was the fact that at that time, it was far more rare to have had cases where particularly mothers shot their children. And if, if you go back to the 60s, that, that was, I think, from the public's perception, one of the, the, the main things about the, the Moore's murders. It, obviously, there have been child killers before, and, and despite the absolutely despicable nature of what, what Brady did, um, you know, there, there had been similar cases previously. But what really shocked people in that case was the fact that a woman was involved, knowingly harming children. Uh, and I, I think that attitude was still around at the time of the White House farm shootings. Uh, and that coloured the pre police's view of the whole thing. But now, of course, we know that, sadly, the, these type of cases are, are far more prevalent than, uh, than previously thought. And I think that you're quite right, Philip, and I also think that it's because a gun was used, which is probably seen as a masculine weapon, yeah. whereas they say... You know, a woman is more likely to use poison or smother or, you know, sort of a, a gentler means, if you will, not such an aggressive means as a gun. But to me, it's perfectly logical. That was the weapon at hand. You can't control somebody's state of mind when they're in a psychotic episode. It wasn't planned. You know, it's like that is just what happened. She was picked up the weapon that was available to her at the time. Plus, as well, it distances you somehow, doesn't it? I, in my opinion, from yeah, so shooting somebody is the gun, that it's the bullets, the gun. It's that sort of this, there's something in between. It's not you physically doing that. That's right, yes. So I even mean, though you're firing the gun, it's the instrument that's doing the killing which withdraws the perpetrator maybe in the head slightly from committing that act, whereas drowning, smothering is a physical act. Yes, or stabbing, whatever. But I think the way you've got to look at it is, as you said, that the key to that was the availability of the weapon to hand. If you look at the US, where clearly firearms are much more prevalent, Sadly, these cases are relatively common. They um, are. And in fact, this psychologist, uh, Dr. Resnick in the US, who's done a considerable amount of work on American women who shoot their families. But in America, a lot of households have guns in them. It's perfectly legal in America, in some of the states, to have weapons within your own home for self-defence purposes. And women have used them to kill their families, whereas in this country that's rarer because you're not allowed to have guns in your home. When you're on a farm, that's permitted in certain circumstances. And so, you know, it was a weapon that was available, and I don't see why people can say, oh, well, Sheila wouldn't have shot them. I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, it may well be that had she had access to a weapon in her previous psychotic episode, we'd be discussing the death of Freddie Amani, not... uh... No, not the Bamba family. Or Colin Caffell. Well, yeah, I- I- indeed, yeah. 
And of course, the other woman who, who was seen through this particular lens by Essex Police was Julie Mugford. Although you have to say that they, they used that lens to their own advantage because it, it helped their narrative. So um, indeed. But the way she was presented at court was as having been corrupted by Jeremy uh, and that all the implication being that all the crimes she or the few of her crimes that were admitted to at the trial uh, had come about under the baneful influence of, of Jeremy and wasn't down to her at all. And of course, we know that a lot of those crimes were committed before she even knew Jeremy. So that is obviously totally untrue. Yes, it is. I mean, she was smuggling drugs from Canada well before she knew Jeremy, and that's documented in police material. So how could Jeremy possibly have corrupted this? I Wainsley put her like this sweet college student who was aspiring to be a teacher, who was a studious woman, and yet she was she took part quite willingly in the caravan burglary, but of she was corrupted by Jeremy. It doesn't add up at all, but that's the scenario they wanted to create. He manipulated her. Yeah, because that clearly helped their uh, the story they were putting forward. So they, they really pushed that particular part of their, their narrative. Um, oh, they absolutely did. I mean, Ainsley's reports set out about how this soft, gentle, quiet college student was corrupted by Bamba, and, and, and then was responsible for her role in these criminal activities. Well, we now know that's completely not true. Yeah, but so also he... the media. The attitude of the media was also misogynistic against Julie, because even though she had to deal with the news of the world to give her story, why on earth, how did they want and think it was acceptable to show her in the position that she did on the photographs that were included in the article, half-dressed in provocative photographs, that, that's not right, is it? No, well, it just came across as bizarre. I mean, they were talking about a, a tragic case that five people had died in, uh, and there's she sort of so, looking at the camera, you know, like, like a sort of page three model. It, it was well, exactly. She didn't even look traumatised or anything, did she? I mean, it would have been... Far better to show her in the suit, traumatised coming out of the court, but no, let's have her in her underwear, pausing and looking ridiculous. Yeah. They didn't just do it with Julie Muckford. They did it with a friend of Jeremy's called Angie Greaves, who, after the trial, they photographed lying on her bed, surrounded by letters, supposedly from Jeremy. And it's like, really? Well, they've tried to do the same with myself. Mandel's Productions for the Louis Theroux programme wanted the exact same thing and requested for me to sit on a bed with files next to me and wait for Jeremy to ring me up looking at my phone. I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just bizarre. But they, they just assume, or the Essex police assume throughout the investigation, that, that women had no agency of their own, that they were just responding to sort of male prompts of, of whatever kind. Uh, and that was a total misreading of the situation. Absolutely. And we can even take that over to the police officers who were present at the scene, Philip, with there were a few 
very few female officers present at the scene. That's right, yes. I mean, there, there were no female officers involved in the actual investigation. Uh, that, that was purely a male preserve. Um, and there was only, although there were other, a few other women present at the siege, as we have to call it, uh, the only one who, who gave a statement that had any bearing on, the, on what happened was Julia Jeeps, who was a, uh, an instructor in the firearms team. Uh, and she was one of the two officers who uh, said they saw the rifle in the window before the raid team went in. And as we've said in other podcasts, if that was true, if that rifle was in the window, then there is no doubt that Jeremy is innocent because the only way it could have ended up on uh, Sheila's body as it did was if, if Sheila moved it, which... Absolutely, but again, it's like the portrayed her as not knowing what she's talking about because that yeah, matter that's... even went to the CCRC and this was several years ago and their response was... Um, oh, well, she must have been mistaken because no other officer saw that. Julia Jeeps was a trained firearm instructor. She wasn't somebody learning the skill. She was an instructor. She would know what was a rifle. For right. them to come back later on, when we found another statement that's, that from PC Brown that said he had also seen a rifle in the window, but was told it was the horse for a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, the, the fact that uh, Alan Brown was told, <laughs> given an explanation as to why he was wrong in what he saw, whereas as far as we know, Julia Jeet was, was never given such a, a, an explanation. Uh, her, her comments were just ignored and they, they probably just assumed that she was too busy doing her makeup at the time to, you know, recall what she saw properly. Well, maybe so, but I mean, Ainsley even had a go at the jury members, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, this is an extraordinary comment in, in the Mindhouse programme where he said, when asked about the 10 to 2 majority verdict, he just said, oh, of, of course, there were, there were two women who, you know, fell for, fell for Bamba's charm and found him not guilty. You know, he, he, he should have gone on to sort of say, well, gosh, they're just such silly little creatures, aren't they? Women get so emotional. But of course... Well, that was the attitude he had, wasn't it? It was. But of course, what happened was that the two women saw through the tissue of lies that Ainsley had presented and came to the right conclusion. But he Absolutely. automatically assumed it was for other misogynistic reasons. Well, I don't know why he'd even come out with a comment like that because it's just appalling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with their gender, that they analysed what had been put before them uh, and realised that it was, in fact, just a load of rubbish. Well, I mean, that brings us to the campaign team because, you know, there are males and females who support Jeremy. Mm. But, yeah, how many times do we see it from people time and time and time again? Oh, you only um, support Bamba because you think he's hot. You are the freaky fan club, the Bamberettes. It's completely overwhelming. It's completely disgusting. You know, there's no mention of the academics who work for Jeremy and the professionals and the, and the legal people and the scientists. And no, all that ever gets mentioned is women because we're all supposed to have the hots for Jeremy which is just appalling. 
Yes, it's a, a very prejudicial out, outlook uh, and totally unjustified. But unfortunately, it has had a, a malign effect on, on how the case has worked out. It has, and, and some of the general public also pick up on that. And then they, they too are saying to us, oh, well, you're just saying that because of, you know, we work on Jeremy's case, we forensically analyse everything. We believe it's injustice. And that's why we work for Jeremy. That is the only reason. Because an innocent man has suffered nearly 37 years in prison for a crime that the evidence proves he didn't commit. That's right. And the vast majority of, of his supporters, who happen to be female, have never spoken to Jeremy, never met him, you know, ne never had any direct contact with him. So the idea that they're all swooning at his feet in uh, you know, some sort of romantic uh, adventure is just crazy, to be honest. You know, it's laughable, isn't it? I mean, it makes you wonder how female QCs ever get to the bar, doesn't it? Well, yes, they, they don't take that attitude to, uh, well, to Annabelle Darlow, who, of course, appeared for the Crown uh, in some of the proceedings. Um, they, they don't take that attitude with her. It's purely a, a stick with which to beat the, uh, the campaign. It is. So to wrap up, we've looked at a few ways that we think misogyny uh, had an effect on the second investigation. And hopefully we've given you some food for thought on this subject. So thank you very much, Yvonne, for joining us today. Thank you, Philip. And we look forward to uh, the next podcast, which will be coming very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you want to lend your support to Jeremy Bamber, you can write to him in the UK using the number A5352AC, HM Wakefield, 5 Love Lane, Wakefield, WF2 9AG. Or see our website for details at www.jeremy-bamber.co.uk. Thank you.